So glad that you're here. Uh, I want to do a couple housekeeping items before we jump in and just mention to you uh, that uh, this coming Saturday... On April 8th, we are having our, our prayer breakfast, a church-wide Timber Creek prayer breakfast over in the chapel. If you haven't signed up for that, it just helps us with the catered. We're going to cater an incredible breakfast, and we want to uh, make sure the caterer's got the right number. It's absolutely free. We just need you to bring, like, your breath and your prayer and uh, be fully clothed, and we'll be good. Um, if you're not fully clothed, we'll have a robe for you. No big deal. So... Uh, make sure you sign up at, uh, out at the kiosk out there. Um, if you need to know, hey, where do I sign up? Just ask someone out there and they'll get you situated in the right direction. Where we're going, we cannot go without bathing it in prayer. This has been so uh, foundational for what we've done over the last couple of years and what we're getting ready to do over the next decade of ministry. We've got to deepen the, the prayer that's happening in our, in our own lives and corporately together as a church body. And so I'm inviting you, please join me, our pastoral staff, our deacon team, our prayer teams, uh, join us in our prayer breakfast this Sunday, uh, this next Saturday as we uh, pray over Easter and what's happening next. And I'm going to give you some kind of inside scoop on some things happening in the church. And, and I'm asking you, please, would you partner with Janet and I in this? Uh, we've got to be filling uh, the jars with prayer around here and uh, can't do it without you. So please uh, be a part of the prayer breakfast. Easter Sunday is coming. And we're going to have five services over the Easter weekend. It is the time where people that are unlikely to go to church are very likely to go to church. In fact, uh, 80% of the people you ask to go to church with you on Easter, if they're not already going somewhere for Easter, the polls say 80% of people will say yes to go to Easter. So your job is to ask people. Here's what it looks like. Hey, um, would you like to go to church with me on Easter weekend? and then shut up and then just see what they say. You know, what we tend to do, hey, would you come to church with me on this, this Easter week? Now I know that you mean this, and I understand it may be that it's a little different. And you know, the pastors, he's kind of weird. But, but you know, don't, don't say all that. Just say, hey, we've got five services to choose from. In fact, everybody take those cards that are right there on your seat when you, when you got in. Uh, we're gonna be handing these out these next two weeks. These are passports to people's freedom in their life, an opportunity to find Christ, an opportunity to get plugged back into church. Maybe they feel disconnected, disenfranchised. Uh, they, they, they feel like, oh, you know what? I, I, I've got to wait till I get dressed up to go to church. I got to wait till I get all my ducks in a row to go to church. That, that's why we're a church anyone can come to. You, don't, you, it's, you, you should be a little messy up when you get here. I look around the crowd. I can tell you are, you know, I look in the mirror. I am. And so we invite you to invite your friends and don't just say, Hey, well, you want to come to church this weekend, Friday, Saturday night, three Sunday morning service. They say, Oh, you know what? I could do Friday night. You say, well, I'm not going Friday night. If they can go Friday night, guess where you need to go? Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're so smart. <laughs> So I would invite you, be praying over those cards. And, and uh, you know, it may be more comfortable for you to just kind of leave it with someone in a little card and say, hey, would love for you to come to church with me. Let me know. But I'm going to say, be bold and just simply ask someone, hey, here's some service times that are going on Easter. It's going to be great music, uh, relevant teaching. Uh, it's going to, uh, stuff for your kids. We're going to have a blast. But it's, it's just, we would love for you to be our guest. Would you like to go to church with me? And I, I challenge you, make, make those requests this way. Let's see what God uh, does in our Easter uh, services. Today is Big Give Sunday. And wouldn't you know that God would remind us that it's not about our campaigns or anything. That's why the rain pours down. And the moment rain starts as a pastor, I know 20% of the attendance is going to go down. It's like, it's like 250, 350 people aren't going to show up because of rain. It's just the way life uh, is. That's okay. You guys give yourselves a hand for going through the tornado. You're like, they ought to do a twister for you. You know, I'm kidding. There was, I don't think there's a tornado. Tornado watch, but, but uh, whatever, we'll talk about it later. You're here for Big Give Sunday. What does that mean? If you're a guest, number one, thrilled to have you. Let's give our guests a great welcome this morning. So glad you've joined us. Uh, Big Give Sunday is today. It's the culmination of a series we've been in over the last several weeks. I know I'm ready to preach on something else. You're ready for me to preach on something else. But this is the finale, but really the beginning of our two-year initiative, our vision campaign of raising uh, resources and awareness for what God is going to do over the next two years as we're faithful to trust, honor, sacrifice, and surrender all that we 
we are and all that we have to him. And today we start that two-year journey of giving uh, by receiving our first Big Give offering. And uh, I'm inviting you today, if you are new to Timber Creek Church and here you are, you've stepped in and say, let's give church a shot. You know, I don't care if it's raining or not. Let's just go. We're going to give church a shot. And you're here and I'm talking about money and you're, you're ribbing your spouse. And you're saying, I told you church is all about money. No, 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 no. You, you, you've missed, you've missed the, the several weeks we've been talking about that it's not anything from you. It's everything for you. It's having the right heart. It's having, it's a discipleship journey, not just giving. And so I invite you, if you're dipping your toe in the water of Timber Creek today, I want you to have a full-bodied experience of Timber Creek and know that, that we are way beyond trying to receive offerings on a Sunday morning. Uh, that is not our mission. Our mission is your God-given potential. Our vision isn't to, to become a bank and have money in the bank. We spend as a funnel what comes in. We spend it out for the kingdom of God, and we invite you to join us. Uh, but if you're a guest, you don't have to feel a, 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 an arm twisted or anything like that today. Uh, simply engage, hear what the Lord would want to say to you through his word in just a moment. Uh, But if you feel compelled to give, you obviously can, but nobody's going to be obligated uh, from a pastor talking about it today. Sound good? All right. So let's jump into Big Give Sunday and talk about uh, where we're headed today. We're starting in an interesting place though. In 1 John 2 verse 16 in the New Living Translation, here's what the Bible says. The world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. Physical pleasure, everything we see, pride in our achievements and possessions. The New International Version would say it like this, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That doesn't come from the Father. Where does it come from? It comes from the world. Those are the cravings of the world that are just natural and we're born into this world and it is natural for you to have a lust of the eye and lust of the flesh and to deal with pride. It is natural. If you've ever dealt with those three, guess what? You're breathing. Guess what? You are a person who lives on planet earth. So what this shows us though is basically three great temptations that we all deal with. The the enemy is not a very creative genius. In fact, God is the one who's the creator. God is the creative genius. The enemy doesn't have a big old bag of tricks. He's not always coming up with something fresh and new and a new scheme for you. It's been the same since the Garden of Eden. It's been the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Those are the three arrows he wants to shoot at you to steal, kill, and destroy you. And, and, And there are biblical antidotes to those three. First one is lust of the flesh. And really, you may want to scribble. Take your study notes. We've got a few to go through today. Take your study notes and write that down. Lust of the flesh is one of the great temptations. And it really has to do with our passions. That word is not on there, but you may want to scribble next to it. It's our passions. Stuff we're passionate about. We want. Things we see. You know, we, 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 we want to feel gratified over, over the flesh. Something that will ease pain. Something that will bring satisfaction. Whether it be temporary or not. How many people, the lust of the flesh, get some doing things they didn't want to do. Saying things they didn't want to say. Eating things they wish they wouldn't have eaten. <laughs> you know. It's, it's, it's just that lust of the flesh that can be driving us. And the biblical antidote that the Lord gives us through the, through, the, through, through the word of the lust of the flesh is integrity. Living a life of wholeness. Living a life that isn't perfection. Integrity isn't about perfection. It's about honesty. Being honest with God, honest with yourself that there are things that, that distract. There are things that stir my flesh. There are things that can take me down a road I don't want to go. And I'm going to live. The Lord gives us this promise of living with integrity, living with, with an honesty to God that we don't have to go through those things alone. It says in Romans 6, 12, 14, don't give. You must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. I mean, some of you, it's like you got a board meeting going on in your brain and you're thinking, I really wanna go do that or I really wanna make that and I, nobody will know about it. And, and you're, you're voting and the Holy Spirit's saying, Mm-mm, I vote no, I vote no, listen, I vote no. And your, your body over here is going, <laughs> do it. And sin's over there in the corner saying, 
I vote yes, I vote yes. Don't give sin a vote around your board table, everybody. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that way, that old way of life. You know, you, you've, you've, you've struggled with drinking, but you want to drive by that bar one more time just to see who's there. Oh, I recognize that. I, rec- I recognize that car. I recognize- okay, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm not going to give any names away here, but there used to be a strip club on the way to Nacogdoches. Okay. How many of you ever been? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Here's what happened. So somebody in our church years ago had access to the keys to the church van. It was an intern, a young intern. They got tempted one night. They didn't have a car. They took the church van that said First Assembly of God Family Church on the side of the van. They drove it to baby dolls. It was parked in the parking lot of baby dolls. A guy from our church who also has a set of keys was driving from Nacogdoches home and saw First Assembly of God Family Church van in the parking lot of baby dolls. So what did this guy do? He pulls in with his own church keys He leaves his car there, he takes the church van, and he drives home. Well, the intern comes out of the club, and the church van is gone. My predecessor, Andy Saligay, gets called into the office the next day. Andy, you weren't happen to have the church van yesterday, did you? He said, no. Well, sure enough, we, we... talk that through and we help that person. And, and uh, what I'm saying to you is, is uh, I have no idea what I'm saying to you. <laughs> the lust of the flesh will get you. Don't take the church van to baby dolls. That's, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, don't do that. What I'm saying is sin will make you do stupid stuff. <laughs> sin, sin will make you do some stupid stuff. Don't be stupid. Live a life of integrity. When you're tempted, don't, don't even give in. Don't even give sin a vote in where you're driving and what you're doing. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. Sin can't tell you how to live. Some of us, we let sin tell us how to live. It doesn't have that authority in your life. Don't give it that authority in your life. Another great temptation is the pride of life. This wouldn't be our passions, this would be our position in life. What we achieve, accomplishments. And the biblical antidote is clear, humility. In fact, the Bible says that God opposes the proud. It's like he stiff arms the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Pride was what got Lucifer, the chief worship leader in heaven, he, 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 was, he was condemned to, to, to leave heaven. He let, like lightning, he was taken out of heaven because of pride. Don't be stiff-armed by God. Choose a life of humility, others over yourself. To not, to not, um, think, uh, to not think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less. Humility is a huge key in avoiding these prides of life that come in. And I deserve that, or I'm gonna run, I'm gonna climb the corporate ladder. You know what? Have dreams, have visions, have goals, uh, be strategic, but don't let what you do identify who you are. Let who you are be identified by humility and the character of Jesus. When you're identified in that way, it's, be- it's beautiful the kind of, of kind of ladders you can climb. When you're, when you're driven by humility, not by that next rung in the ladder. Another great temptation, and we'll land here today, is the lust of the eyes. And so where the lust of the flesh would have been passions and the pride of life would have been position, the, the lust of the eyes is more about possessions, about the stuff. I see it, I want it. I see it, I need it. And you know, this is not new. If you go to the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, when the temptation takes place of Adam and Eve and the enemy comes in in the form of a serpent, when Eve responds, the Bible basically says, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm not quoting, but but it does say, um, and because it looked good, 
And because the, the, the fruit was good for uh, eating and it looked good, she took of it because she wanted to be like God, know what God knew. So the looking, the lust of the eye, the eating, the lust of the flesh, and being as knowledgeable as God, the pride of life, you see it right there, all three of those issues. You see it in the temptation of Jesus when he's water baptized and he goes into the wilderness for 40 days fasting and, and praying. The enemy comes in, not as a serpent this time, but he comes in with the same three arrows. He comes in with the same three uh, uncreative opportunities. Hey, throw yourself down this hill and, and someone will raise you up. Position, pride of life, show us. And God and Jesus combats it with scripture. He, said, he says, hey, hey, uh, turn this bread, uh, turn this stone into bread. That's the lust of the flesh. Says, Don't tempt the Lord, your God. He says, I'll give you all the riches. I'll give you all, everything you need, but just bow down and serve me. The, the eyes, the possessions. The enemy's not very crafty. He, he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour but nothing's new under the sun when it comes to the enemy. He's still using the three old tricks he was using way back then. And so integrity being, being fighting the, 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 the lust of the flesh, uh, humility fighting the pride of life, the biblical antidote for the lust of the eyes is generosity, is, is, is having stuff, but not letting stuff have you. And there are many people that they don't have money. Money has them. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl that, 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 keep, that, that doesn't allow generosity to flow through them because it is just as much a part of the character of Jesus as watching what you look at or how you carry yourself. Living a generous life is key to having the character of Christ. So giving, you may just wanna scribble this, it's not in your notes, but giving doesn't equal generosity. So, so hear what I'm, don't hear what I'm not saying today, okay? I'm not saying when you give, you're generous. Because people can give and it's not out of a heart of generosity. You can just give because you give. In fact, some people give begrudgingly. Okay, fine. Okay, people give out of, out of uh, manipulation. You see it all over the news. You see it all over uh, some tele-evangelism. Some, not all, but some, most. Okay, a lot. Okay, 98.2%. You can give out of manipulation. Giving doesn't equal generosity. So write this down. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. That's what generosity is all about. Generosity is the heart. It's a, it, 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 is, it is being able to um, love and through love we give. And we don't just give our treasure. We give other elements of our life. You can put it like this in your notes. Generosity is love in action. Generosity isn't giving. Generosity is love in action. But that's what it is. And our love in action leads us to give. It does. And the way we give are through these four T's we talk about in starting point. These four T's are critical for all of us. This is not just a, a talk on generosity when it comes to, your, to, to the money, to the dollar bills, y'all. It, 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 it's all about our time, the way we give our time, the way we give our talents, our purposes in life, our giftings, our testimony, the way we share. It's why those, those, those cards, those invite cards, those bring invitations, not invitations, bring invitations. It's why those matter so much because it unlocks the opportunity to, for you to simply, through an invite, share part of your story. It's so simple, but it also has to do with our treasure. And we're, you know, sometimes we're okay with talent. Sometimes we're okay with testimony, time, okay. You know, if I'm not busy, too busy, I'll give my time. But that treasure, boy, it gets us, it gets, we can get it. All, it get all messed up in us a little bit. All four, God is calling us to be generous with. And so what I wanna give you today over the next just few minutes, before we celebrate with our big give, which we will start the giving of our all-in initiative today. And we're gonna receive, along with Jan and I, you're gonna give, we're gonna give, we're gonna give the largest uh, offering in the history of our church. Yes, even with uh, a, a ton of people not here today because of weather, 
we're still believing God's going to grant us the largest offering in the history of our 90-year-old church because we're getting ready to do something big on, uh, on behalf of the kingdom for the sake of Jesus. So I want to give you now just some scriptural assurances, not, not insurance to where, you know, it comes through if something doesn't happen. It's assurance. You can take it to the bank. It's something that's solid. You can trust it. And it's not just encouragements from your pastor. It's scriptural assurances about generosity. It's audacious. It's audacious living. It's why I've titled this message, The Audacity of Generosity. It's just an audacious way to live. But let's look at these promises. I got 10 of them. You see them? 10. How long is it going to take for the pastor to get through 10? About 12 minutes. Okay, so here we go. Number one. Uh, give me 15. Number one, a scriptural assurance. Generosity honors God. A generous heart with your time, your talent, your testimony, and your treasure, it simply honors God. How many of you parents love it when your children honor you? Yes or no? Yeah? Yeah? You like it when your children honor you. God is a God that has emotion. He's not driven by emotion. He's not emotionally unstable. But where do you think you got your emotions? So you can understand that God is honored. It, 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 it makes him excited when we honor him. It's the same way as a parent, when your kids do something without you having us thinking ask 17 times. You're like, I'm all, you know what, let's go to Chick-fil-A, I'm gonna get you a chocolate shake. Because you did it without asking. There's just something about honoring God through our generosity. Look, you will be glorifying God through your generous gifts. Your generosity will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. It's one thing to know the good news of Christ. It's another thing to be obedient to the good news of Christ. And generosity proves that. Number two, generosity makes me more like Jesus. More and more when I get up in the morning to wash my face and shave, I, I look more and more like my dad. I just look more and more like my dad. And I'll talk to him on the phone, and if I call my mom every once in a while, my dad's going to preach for me on Father's Day. It's going to be an awesome Father's Day for us. But you'll hear him. He sounds, we just sound just alike. He's just older and more handsome. A little bit less hair, I will tell you that. He's I got that on him. But he's also 20 years older, so, you know, I know my future. <laughs> Generosity makes me more like Jesus. My time and my heritage and my DNA is I'm growing older, I'm more and more like my dad. But, but when my, I'm generous, it helps me become, it's one area that I become more and more like Jesus. The greedy always want more. But the godly, becoming more and more like him, love to give. Number three, generosity is the cure. It's the antidote for materialism. Oh my goodness, I wish we could grab materialism by the neck and drag it out here and just put a heel on it. Materialism just gets all of us, doesn't it? And, and you know what? Really, it's like the cure that brings contentment. I, generosity helps you become content uh, in, in, in life and not always looking for the very next thing. You know, I remember Staples commercial years ago, it had an easy button. You remember the easy button? And, and they just pushed the button and, some, and it would just say, that was easy. I wish we had a button for like contentment, a button cure for materialism. And, and at the end of service, if you want the cure for materialism, you want to be content with what you have, I want you to come down and push the button. It'll say, that's contentment. I wish, I wish we could do that. It's not ideal. Some of you, some of you would drag your spouse down here touch the button, push the button. Huh? I mean, it's the cure for materialism. Look, look what the Bible says. Command those. That's some harsh words. That's some pretty strong language, isn't it? From, from Paul to his uh, apprentice, Timothy. He says, he says, command those who are rich in this present world. Oh, well, that, <laughs> that's not me. Well, if you live in the United States of America, you are rich in this present world. You make $8 an hour, you're, you're, you're more wealthy than the rest of uh, the world by many, many standards. In many, many standards. If you, if, if, if you can go somewhere and like this, turn on clean water, you are rich compared to the rest of the world. If you have indoor plumbing, huh? you don't live in Arkansas. And no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
It's, I, you, you laugh, but my dad was in seventh grade until they had uh, a bathroom inside the house. Violet Hill, Arkansas, everybody right there. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in what? Wealth. Many times we do that, which is so uncertain. It's uncertain. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know if it's going to be there tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the economy is going to do. We don't know if it's going to go up or down or where the, the, the stock's going to end up this, this, this uh, uh, closing bell. We, we just, we, it's uncertain. And if you want to put all your stock and your hope in that, then obviously you're going to miss out. But he's saying, command those who are rich in this present world, which is anybody that's got running water, anybody that has a paycheck compared to the average rest of the globe. Don't, don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Jane and I today are placing in the offering the largest check we've ever written any organization especially Timber Creek Church. It is a scary proposition for us. Um, but we've known for months that this was coming. Now that may be Saul's armor to you. Don't, 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 you, you do what God's called you to do. We're just trying to do the same. But here's what, here's what's a crazy story. You know, the cool story, I've, I've heard these before. Like someone will say, we've made a commitment and we're writing it out. And like the next day God showed up and um, he, he, he provided me, a, I sold a house and it was that same amount. And you've ever heard those stories, it was really cool. My parents were out of food in the cupboard uh, one night and they prayed and that very, and that very night, there was a knock on the door and there were $80 worth of groceries on the front step. I'm like, oh God, I mean, I, I've heard Bonnie share a story about not having anything in, 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 in the bank, but yet having a hundred dollar bill and going and giving it to someone in faith. And, and yet God provided through a card from a relative, a thousand dollars, 10 times what she gave. Holy cow, those are awesome stories you know, hey, here's what I didn't, but then I got a huge tax return. Here's Janet and I's story. We just got our taxes done. We owe thousands of dollars. We made a commitment and we owe more to the IRS this year than we've ever owed before. It's because all Janet's, you know, embezzlement stuff. And no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> nope. Nope. Just didn't. I just didn't time it right. I just didn't do, you know, we... And so because of a change in some stuff, we, we owe a, a lot, a lot. We're going to be able to pay it. But even us as your pastors, knowing that we've got that due, when we went to write the check for today, went, whew, you know, we've got that coming like April 18th, you know, because you got two extra days, by the way, everybody, because a weekend and everything, it's not April 15th, April 18th. We got till April 18th and here we are giving this big give and what are we gonna do? You know, here's the deal. It, for some of you, you need God to show up and provide. Um, like you've made a commitment and God provides for us. We're in a season where we made a commitment and this obstacle showed up and God is teaching us not about his provision. He's teaching us about trust, that, that we can trust who, even when we can stay generous and we can know that we're not gonna put our hope in, in riches and in wealth because <laughs> we don't got a lot of it. But we are gonna put our hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God knew what was gonna happen in our taxes this year and he knows what's gonna happen for you. And you just gotta choose, are you gonna trust him? Are you going to trust him? We're going to try and trust him. We want you to follow us as we follow Christ. Command them. Be generous and willing to share. Oh, if we could just get our kids to share, right? No, you share. You share. You share. There's that four-letter cuss word that kids learn very early on. Mine. Mine. And then we're adults. Have you ever met an adult that's it's, it's all about mine? I know. Some of you are married to him. I know. In this way, they'll take hold of the life that is true life when they're generous and willing to share. Number four, generosity demonstrates my faith, puts my faith into action. Your giving proves the reality of your faith, 2 Corinthians 9, 13. It demonstrates my faith. Number five, generosity reveals my character. That word character comes from the idea, the, 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 the Greek word for engraving, like a big piece of granite that, that the artist chisels away and creates a masterpiece. Character is your piece of granite being chiseled away. 
what your granite is becoming, chisel by chisel, piece by piece, and generosity begins to chip away. It shows your character. If you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, the question is this in the Bible, Luke 16, 11, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? The answer to that, no one, nobody. So we have to be faithful and it shows our character in life. Not just showing up to church, that's a part of, of time management and being faithful to not, not to forsaking the assembling of together, but generosity in our time, our talent, our treasure, our testimony, all of that demonstrates our character. We got another card that everybody uh, uh, got when they walked through the door. Would you take it and just kind of hold it like this? Let's check this out. The big serve, the big serve. On Easter weekend, we're gonna have five services. I've already mentioned that. And here's what I'm inviting you to do. I'm inviting you to be generous way beyond a treasure, way beyond an, an offering. Would you be generous with your time on Easter weekend? Here's what I'm asking you to do. Go to one service and serve as many more that you can. Go to one service, come, engage it, and then as many other services that is, is possible according to your health, serve as many as you can. Just, just be generous with your time because there is going to be lives changed, lives transformed. Uh, we're, we're talking about heritages. They're gonna be shifted from going away from Christ to beginning anew and changing, and changing a complete trajectory. Janet was talking to a school teacher in Hudson. They had a friend come over to the house, a, a young man, and the young man was saying, I, I, it was on a Sunday morning, he said, I gotta leave, I gotta, I'm going to church, I'm going to Timber Creek Church. They said, really, you go to Timber Creek Church? He said, that church saved my life. That church saved my life. Well, this church didn't save your life. Jesus saved your life, but this church was a part of it. This church was a part of it. That, that church saved my life. And there's people's lives going to be saved. Marriage is going to be mended and start the healing process. It's going to be a beautiful Easter weekend, resurrection weekend. Serve. Demonstrate your faith. Reveal character and serve in our Easter weekend. Number six. You still with me? Good, because it's raining really hard out there. You don't want to leave right now anyway. First service, we started building an ark out here. I kid you not, it was crazy. It sounded like the roof was gonna, not roof, the roof, the roof was not on fire. The roof was rain, very, very loud rain. Generosity brings God's protection and provision. Say that one out loud with me. God, generosity brings God's protection and provision. Protection and provision, to protect and provide. Usually I'd go to Malachi 3 about bring, you know, the tithes into the storehouse and, and test me in this. But look at this in Psalm 112. All goes well for the generous man who conducts his business fairly. Okay, man of integrity. Such a man will not be overthrown. Okay, protection. By evil circumstances. God's constant care, provision of him will make a deep impression on all who see it. Look, 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 look. When you're generous... Not, not only does it show protection and provision, it deeply impresses those around. Not, it, it puts an impression on those around you when you live in generosity. Number seven, generosity increases my happiness. It increases your happiness. Jesus himself, Acts 20, 35. Jesus said there's more happiness in giving than in receiving. Another translation would say it's more blessed to give than to receive. And even that word blessed is translated sudaka, which in translated into, into Greek is generous. There is, more, there is more blessing, generosity in giving than in receiving. So there's just, you, you, are, you are going to receive blessing when you're generous and generosity is going to translate into happiness, the joy, the joy of giving. People give out of all kinds of emotion. Give out of the joy, the happiness of giving of your time, your talent, your testimony, and treasure. Number eight, generosity expands my influence. Expands my influence. You're able to, 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 to increase your sphere of influence through generosity. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. See what I did there? The world of the stingy will get smaller and way it goes. It's not written like that in Proverbs, but you get the idea. 
generous, your world's just going to get larger when you're generous. People don't spend a whole lot of time with stingy people. Ebenezer Scrooge, his world got so big and colorful when he began to see what life looked like with stinginess. And all of a sudden, his world was exposed to the beauty of Christmas, the beauty of everything around him, the beauty of his friendships, the beauty of family, the beauty of generosity, because he let himself die to that, the, the lust of the eyes of the possessions and, and live, a, live in generosity in the story. Generosity multiplies my resources. There's simply a multiplying effect. Do not hear in these top 10, you're not gonna hear this. You're not gonna hear generosity gets me the car I wanted to always drive. Don't hear that. Um, generosity is my special coin to put in the spiritual uh, slot machine. And when I pull the lever, ling, 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 riches, riches, riches. That's not how God works. He's no slot machine. Generosity isn't a guarantee that everything's gonna go great in your life and you'll never have trouble or hurt or, or circumstances that come your way that, that, are, that are tough to deal with. But it will m multiply the resource generosity, it's blessed to give than to receive. And those that reap, those that sow, they will reap. Can I tell you, when you sow through the generosity and the character of Jesus, guess what you're going to reap back? We're not just talking about finances. We're talking about the character of Jesus. And the more and more we become like Jesus, the more we're going to see our own resources multiplied from our resources of love, kindness, gentleness, self-control to our financial resources. Look, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You will be enriched so that you can drive what you want to drive, live on the high horse, and I mean, go to Vegas, baby. No, I don't think that's what it says. So that you can give even more generously. See, everything in life is like on this conveyor belt. Time is going to go whether you live life or not, time's going to fly. Time's going to be on the conveyor belt. And the older you get, it feels like the conveyor belt goes faster and faster, doesn't it? And you just bear, I mean, oh, kid, kids are getting married. What? Oh, man, what? I'm in my 50s? And just time, okay? Our opportunity to use our talents, it's, it's going to go by. Whether you use it or not, your opportunity, your window of opportunity to use your talents for God is on a conveyor belt. And you can either walk with it and see where it takes you or you can watch it go by but it's gonna go it's gonna go by your treasure it's there it's y'all gonna take it with you the old store you know nobody drives nobody has a hearse connected to the uh, a, a, a u-haul connected to the hearse it's just gonna go by but jesus gives us the opportunity to enjoy it while it goes by to enjoy the time to put a hand on the treasure, to be able to enjoy. And, and the more we're faithful, the more we're generous, the, I believe that the Bible is simply true that when you are faithful with little things, God gives you responsibility over more things. Because he's seen that you can be trustworthy with worldly wealth, he can trust you with other things, maybe even more worldly wealth. It's just though on a conveyor and what you do, how you, how you touch it, you can't, don't take it off the conveyor belt and go like this. A lot of people wanna live like that. You can touch it, you can enjoy it, you can see it, you can see how it impacts, but you got one life, everybody. You will be enriched so you can give even more generously. Number 10, generosity will be rewarded in heaven. What a beautiful idea that Paul gives us in 1 Timothy. Use money to do good, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given you. By doing this, you will be storing up real treasure for yourselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. It is the only safe investment. That person that came to you and said, this is a sure thing. And they were wearing a bright plaid suit. <laughs> Warning, Will Robinson. Only safe investment for eternity is real treasure that you've stored up in heaven by being generous. And you while simultaneously doing that, you'll be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. 
let's show the world what generosity really looks like. And it's not just writing a check to the next catastrophe. It's living a life, palms up, activating love through action and giving. That's being generous. And so this all-in initiative, we started on Super Bowl Sunday, February 5th. It's been two months. I know I'm ready to preach on something else. I know you're ready for me to preach on something else. I can't wait to preach next Sunday. I'm ready. Both barrels loaded for next Sunday. I hope you'll be here at Palm Sunday. It's going to be a great service, and I believe the Lord's going to touch a lot of people on next Sunday. But we have been culminating towards this moment where we've asked the Lord, God, what what do you want us to do? How do you want us to move forward? We've set big, uh, we believe godly goals out there as a leadership team. And we've talked about since the beginning that the all in goal for this initiative for the two years, there were two goals, a secondary goal. The secondary goal was that we, this crazy idea that over two years, our church body over two years, our church body could give eight million. It was a massive, huge, scary, audacious, hairy goal. But we set it out there and we said, you know what? Let's shoot for the star. Let's just shoot there. Let's see what God does. Let's just see what God, because here's what we knew. There was no way we could get to this number unless God was uh, moving on people. And, and, and so we wanted to see what God would do beyond, beyond that. But really the main goal is 100% participation, that everybody would just do something. And it has been over the amount of participation. I'm telling you as your pastor, I couldn't be more excited and more proud of this church. I can't quite tell through the numbers if we're at 100% participation. Can't tell. But what I can tell is that people have engaged the mission of Jesus through this local church like you wouldn't believe. And so I want to celebrate now. So we're moving from message time to celebration time. You're going to celebrate with me, friends? You're going to celebrate with me, church family? So now, 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 now I got to be honest with you. I got to be honest with you. Usually, usually, second service are better celebrators than first service. I'm going to be honest with you. But today, like first service, if you don't step up your game, first service has got you beat already. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. It's because they were here before the rain, I guess, and all your celebration kind of, you know, leaked out. But it's time to celebrate what God is, has done. We talked about this being a discipleship process and participating, that the number was great. If we can hit that, great. We, we're not gonna be upset if we don't hit the number, but it's about participation. And we talked about the giving ladder. We talked about everybody in the church is a potential giver, but not everybody is activated being generous in particular with their treasure. And so we were inviting people that, those of that have never given, would you, would you take a step of faith and emerge from being just a potential giver to actually doing something? And then those that you do something, but it's not a planned thing, like you come to church and maybe you have, maybe you have $10 in your pocket, you give it in the offering, okay, but it's not a, like a consistent thing, it's just an afterthought thing. Those of you that are, it's a kind of an afterthought, would you consider prayerfully jumping to the next step somewhere here and become a consistent giver where there's a plan, the same way you plan to get dressed when you come to church, that you plan to give when, when you're in church. We, we invited those of you that were somewhere here to step up and become a tither, that you would, you would trust the Lord with that 10% of your income. That, that, that it sounds like, can I, can I just tell you something? Everybody, every one of you are tithers. Every one of you are tithers. You're, you're giving 10%. It's just that it's split between Home Depot, Sudden Link, Best Buy, Chick, Chick-fil-A, yeah, 8.9% for us. But, you know, Chick, all those things, it, it adds up. And we're inviting you to, to give that 10% to the kingdom of God and what he wants to do through, through the local church. The kind of change he wants to bring to this world. He's activated it, he's given us his plan. And then those that are tithing, would you step up and go above and beyond that? And wherever you are, there's no condemnation. Wherever you are, we said we're all on this journey. We aren't trying to twist anybody's arm to everybody get too extravagant. We just want everybody to take a next step. And that's what we've been doing over the, over the last few weeks. And so I wanna celebrate some numbers today. Hundreds of families, hundreds of families representing representing most of our church body, honestly. Here's the deal. 
Extravagant givers, we'll start with them. You ready? You ready to celebrate some things? Let's celebrate. Extravagant givers, those that have never tried to go above and beyond. We had 99 families say, we're gonna go above and beyond. We're gonna become extravagant. That's awesome. That's awesome. Give it up, give it up. Most of those were families that were already consistently giving or tithing, but there were several families that had never even tried giving that jumped into the extravagant giving. Tithe giver, those that are committing to 10% or more, that may be you, it may not be you. That's okay. But let's celebrate that 74 families said, we're gonna put God, we're gonna put God first and try and tithe. We're gonna try this thing out. We're gonna go all in and that's our next step. Yeah. Yeah, consistent givers. Those that have never had a plan to give, they just kind of gave occasionally. They say, you know what? This is gonna become a priority in our budget. It's gonna become a priority in our budget. We wanna get to 10%, we're not there yet. We're gonna get there, but, but we're gonna become consistent givers. 53 families say we're gonna become a consistent givers. Now I want you to notice something. I want you to notice something. The person that went from, from consistent or tithing to extravagant, that's a great jump, I honor you. But I wanna say that this next one, from going from zero to one, from having never really given to this, those of you that have tithed know, know that's an even bigger step. It's an even bigger step to go from nothing to something. And so we're gonna give the biggest applaud. We're gonna give the biggest applause to those over 97 families said, hey, we're gonna put God to the test on this. We're gonna start, come on now. That's exciting, that's exciting, that's exciting. Here we go. Our next generation, our next generation, that's kindergarten or, or preschool to, uh, to sixth grade, or pardon me, to high school, our youth, and our children's ministry, youth and children's ministry, combined with the water walk and their goals. Okay, the next generation, that we want more for the next generation. We're the church that wants to successfully pass the baton. If we don't raise up the next generation, we're gonna pass the baton to the realtor. And this thing's gonna be sold. We're just gonna, hey, let's just celebrate what God did in our years and let's have a good old funeral. But if we will be consistent at passing the baton to the next generation, we're gonna live, leave a powerful God-intended legacy for the generation after them and the generation after them. And I wanna say something. I don't wanna hear this church talking bad about millennials. I know there's all kinds of stuff stacked. The deck is stacked against this next generation. People are so concerned about the millennials, the next generation. Either God believes they have hope and purpose in a future or he doesn't. And so if he does believe it, and he does, we ought to believe in the next generation too, amen? Because we gotta dream big with them. We gotta show them we're not against them, we're for them. We wanna see, because we wanna pass the baton to the next generation. There's gonna be a day, I hope it's not too too, too uh, short, but someday I'm gonna have to pass the baton here. And when I do, it's gonna be someone from the younger generation that's gonna take it up and lead this church. The next generation committed $22,643. I mean, we're talking about, I think like four of them have a job. They said, you know, hey, we're gonna mow some lawns. We're gonna do some things. My, my, our own daughter said, I wanna do some. Our son, Graham, he's eight years old. He said, what can I do? How can I earn like three bucks a week? I said, easy buck, go three bucks a week. He's like, I wanna do it. And he's going all in. And I'm so proud of our next generation helping lead the way. So all of us got together. We got the commitment cards and here's where we are. And I, and, and, and I want us to celebrate now, you ready? Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's get ready to give the Lord a praise offering, not for the amount, because the amount could, you know, the amount could be more, the amount could be less. We're just celebrating the next steps that people are doing, and we're honoring God through those next steps. You ready? So as of today, so far, and we're still receiving, just this last week, I received a few different commitment cards. And if you haven't given a commitment card and you want to, don't feel obligated, but we'd love for you to receive a commitment card and, and be a part of what's going on here. As of today, here's the number. 
Our church is committed. has been committed over a two-year period. It's frankly unheard of in a church this size, in a town this size. But God is up to something big here. He is. He's, he is. Janet, would you, would you join me? So today we're going to give. Stay standing. We're going to give today. You can give through the check in the offering envelope. You can give the text to give. We're inviting you to start strong on your commitment. What you can give today, give your best gift today. If you're not prepared, okay. Would you prepare and give it when you can? But let's give as unto the Lord because that's exactly what we're doing. I want to pray over you. I know it's a big commitment to a lot of you. And uh, some of you, you're still praying about it. Let's pray. Father, in just the next few moments, we're going to launch into practicing our generosity. Father, I pray that you would be glorified through all of this. That we would fight materialism. We would fight the flesh and the eyes and the pride of life. And that we would be generous in our works, of our time, our talents, our treasure, and our God, bless your house, bless this gift. May it multiply so that more and more people can come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. God, this is not about buildings. This is not about campuses. This is about every soul. And every soul matters deeply to you. So as we give today, God, we're representing giving towards the kingdom and souls going to heaven because of the message of Christ being poured out through Timber Creek Church. We love you, Lord. Bless this gift. In Jesus' name, amen. As you stay standing, our ushers are going to serve you. Let's sing this together. Let's give, and then I'll dismiss you in just a moment.